0: What up, cage siders It's your boy Sean with his generic introduction that upsets his boss. It is Tuesday night, August twenty-fifth, and this is our fourth fourth straight night of podcasting. And uh, well, we, had, we actually had this one lined up in advance. Gino's been talking with some folks on the Twitter machine. Um, you know, as longtime cage siders know, we do we try to to keep things um, equal here, fair and balanced, but not in the Fox News sense. So um, we wanted to talk about um, feminism in wrestling, gender equity, gender equality, women being a woman in wrestling, being a woman fan of wrestling, all these things. And Gino and I are not women, so we Yeah, the more people.
1: the 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 closer it's closer to we've talked about feminism a lot, right, on the show, but we're two white dudes, so we're like the least qualified to talk about something like this. And it's like, okay, so we have some friends and they're women. So why don't we talk to people who actually experience these things? Like we've never, I don't ever have to worry about how I look in the world because no one's ever going to say anything. So it's, you know, I don't face the same kind of issues or whatever. So yeah, we brought on some friends of ours. So Kara, that's how you say that.
2: It is how you say that. How are you? I am great.
1: For our listeners, who are you? That sounded oh. really aggressive. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh,
2: wow. Like, um, who am I right now? Okay, so I, uh, I'm i a person who watches wrestling. I've been watching wrestling a lot for, I would say, the past six years or so, and then less so when I was a kid and growing up. Um, I'm also a person who spends a lot of time on the Internet and always have, um, since we got the Internet when I was ten. So, um... I'm also a person who identifies really strongly as a feminist and um, kind of bring that with me in all of my interactions and experiences. So um, I guess we've had some fun conversations on Twitter about this stuff, and thank you for inviting me to come and talk and drink and sit on camera
1: with you. We've had very fun conversations specifically about two kinds of cheese and the rocks... There are three I kinds of I cheese.
2: I remember now the origin of that joke.
1: The Rock, remember? He was saying at, at yeah. the Royal Rumble, after the Royal Rumble, he did that really bizarre promo with Roman Reigns, and he was taught there are only two kinds of cheese. <laughs> and you were like, you went on Twitter for like a three-day run of jokes about how The Rock doesn't understand, or he actually believes that there are only two kinds of cheese in the world. It was right. I yeah.
2: those are the moments in wrestling that I live for, really, the yes. cheese joke about
1: We're also joined by Kate. Hi. Kate, how are you? Good. Yep. We're very well. I guess I should ask you the same thing. Who can or introduce? uh, Please introduce yourself to us and our listeners.
3: Yeah, of course. Uh, Freelance journalist. Um, I've been writing about wrestling fans and totally am a wrestling fan as well. Um, I've done a lot of feminist news and radio in the past. Studying gender theory, and uh, yes yeah,
0: both things are things I'm super into and like to talk about. Cool. And I should say, both of our guests are have written online. I linked to uh, Kate's recent piece in the body of the post that you're watching this on. Hopefully, unless you're watching it on YouTube, and then go over to CavesideSeats.com and watch it there. Um, and Kara has also published some stuff that I'll I'll send a link to. She wrote a piece about her trip to WrestleMania. Which I've never been to WrestleMania, so I'm just jealous about that. But uh just as uh, so, some additional background to what who we're talking to.
1: So Keith just on Twitter alerted us that on Tough Enough, Amanda is accusing Sarah of quote unquote sleeping her way to the top. And do you have any thoughts on this?
3: Uh way no, to the top and it's triple H. So no, this, isn't this is Sarah tweet. I didn't tweet that. But
0: no, that was uh, another... One of our writers on the site tweeted that.
1: Uh, yeah, Keith. Keith. Yeah, I said Keith. Keith <laughs>
3: Harris is one of our writers, yeah.
0: I mean, that's... I think that ties... I mean, that's a common um, wrestling insult in yeah. for women, is that, you know, you slept or in Or like, a... like, insult,
2: even, if you will.
0: True, true. Um, but either as in-story or the fans chanting it at the women in the ring, like they did at uh, the Raw after WrestleMania this past... Uh, WrestleMania, this whatever it's called, Smarcomania in San Jose when they were chanting, you suck, Cena, and Nikki Bella, and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, how, how, do you, how do you deal with that? I mean, how is that? how do you process that and remain a fan of what you're watching and want to hang out with the people that would do that? And
2: well, I think you kind of have – I mean, I think that's a great question to, to start with, and I think it sort of gets to the way that you really have to split up sexism in WWE into a couple of different categories. There's the things that the commentators say. There's the the things that corporate decides to do. There's the ways that booking is done. Um, there's the things that wrestlers say in ring and then on social media and in character and out of character. And then there's the things that the fans say. And those are really all different components. Um, and sometimes they're saying very different things. Um, but I think, you know, I, I tend to have a lot of leniency for what um, wrestlers and women wrestlers say in ring to each other to further a storyline that they're being told to further. Um, I think that they have a little bit less um, leeway than, and a little bit less power in some of those moments than commentators do and um, that the people who actually book the storylines do.
3: In my research, um, some things that came out that actually didn't make it into the article um, because it was a lot about, like, Um, past theory and there's this thing called actually um, Carnival TV Theory that I spoke to this like professor about Um, and um, it was basically saying that like something that's so over the top like wrestling um, you can actually separate your views so you can be a very progressive person, um, liberal politically minded but then watch something uh, like for example and this is maybe a silly example, but, like, the Kiss My Ass Club, um, when Vince used to come out this like, very, like, pompous CEO and have wrestlers, like, kiss his ass to, like, save their jobs um, and, like, not feel like that uh, kind of, like, perpetual, like, uh, perpetuizes, like, corporate culture. Um, so you can still be a feminist and, like, believe in feminism um, when even though you see these very over-the-top things that, like, you are against and things.
0: That makes sense. So yeah, so it'd be much yeah, since it's so over since it's so over the top, since it's almost campy, it's
3: yeah, it's total fiction.
0: Right. It doesn't affect you in the same way that it does when you experience it on the job or walking down the street.
3: But it's right. At the same time, there are these like very sweeping storylines of like underdogs and everything that really, you know, get people riled up, like Daniel Bryan. And growing up around stories like that and watching them when you're very young um, maybe in some ways can actually, like, teach you to be an empathetic person. Um, Yeah, I spoke a little bit about that with, like, uh, Chris Gethard. And so, so, yeah, that was a fun conversation.
2: I want to speak to the campiness for a minute because I think that's such an important part of it. Um, And I think that sometimes, I think that there's sort of this general confusion about what it means to have better women's wrestling storylines. And, um, you know, there have been a a lot of think pieces, if you will, today, um, and recently, but especially after Raw, that, you know, more screen time isn't enough, that, you know, characters really need to be developed. And then we complain a lot about, how a lot of the storylines just sort of pit women against each other. I mean, there's nothing wrong with pitting women against each other because wrestling pits people like, against each other. That's, like, the storyline of wrestling is that, like, these people are in a fight. Like, that's literally the whole mm-hmm. thing. So I think it's, it's a little bit hard to, um, you know, nobody wants, nobody wants to lose that campiness, and I think there are a lot of ways that that campiness and joy that we love about watching wrestling can be utilized to build really interesting female characters. Um, do you watch Mr. Show? Does anyone watch I, Mr. Show? I, I
0: you know, did I when it was show. on. Yeah, I'm old. So
2: There's right. like, <laughs> this like Mr. Show skit where they um the Sarah Silverman's in and they're like it's like a band that goes to a high school to perform and like one oh, guy has no arms. the Dominant arm, Spirit or is that the one? Guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, uh, and it's like you know the guy who has no arms plays guitar and like the guy who has no leg. And then Sarah Silverman's line is, "And I'm Fran, I'm a woman. And, like, that's the joke. Like, that's her disability. And I feel like that's kind of what happens in booking is that, like, the female characters are so interchangeable and so um, impossible to discern that it's not fun to watch. Like, not only is it not feminist, it's also just, like, not fun to watch. Um, and there's so many great things you can do. You know, Vicky grows." Horrifying to watch as a feminist, but was really fun to hate as a viewer. And I think that there's something in that that could really be exploited and could really be um, a gateway to creating multiple storylines involving women instead of one storyline that's just like, you know, girls pulling each other's hair.
1: I would really like to hear your thoughts on the Lana, Rusev, Summer Rae, Dolph Ziggler stuff. Like, because I know we... I can't speak for Sean, but we've been, I think, united in our hatred of how everything's played out as far as they change the story halfway through, and then I don't know that it squares to have Lana assert her independence, and then now I don't see any independence. I just see she's the same person as her next boyfriend. Yeah, Lana is
2: such an interesting character because she shows up, right? She shows up. Um, as a real manager, like, wearing a suit, like, running her mouth, like, with all of this really viscerally felt power.
1: Totally in and, control of the man that she was with.
2: Yeah, and I remember feeling like that was a real departure, and that was, a, like, I I was really interested to see where that was going to go. I mean, just the way that the way that she was dressed um, was such a vast difference from the women that you usually see in the ring that I was really fascinated by. Then I thought... <laughs> You know, in a lot of ways it was really very problematic because here's this um, extremely beautiful, extremely blonde, extremely um, as sort of archetypal as you can get, um, idealized woman who is sort of beyond sexualization and is only treated well because she's sort of classy in a way that the other women in, in WWE are not, um, and I felt like that was really problematic, and I didn't like that Lana was getting this sort of special treatment, um, and and now I feel like what's happened is is so is so upsetting because you see Summer Rae in this role, and like Summer Rae is just it just breaks my heart to watch Summer Rae, like the way that the way that she's treated, the way that she's spoken about, the way that she's like— <laughs> shows up to the ring. Um, I was watching SummerSlam with a few friends who, like, had not really watched wrestling at all since they were kids, and there's this, you know, Lance Summer I'm definitely not going to call it a match, but, like, altercation going on. Um, and they were like, well, we're confused. Like, are they wrestlers? Like, what's happening? And I'm trying to explain to them, and I'm like, Yeah, so they're, like, kind of wrestlers. Well, like, Sarah is a wrestler, but, like, they're just supposed to be, like, girls that are there, and they're, like, sidekicks, but they just, like, happen to get in a fight, and now they're fighting. And I was like, wow, that's, like, really sad. That's, like, a really sad description of of a women's wrestling match. Um, And I feel like they're just, like, the manager role is such an interesting role. Like, Paul Heyman is by far my favorite person to watch. Um, I will watch Paul Heyman talk. I will watch Paul Heyman read me anything, um he's so much fun to just to just watch and listen to him talk. And I feel like there's so many great um, managerial roles that could be such an opportunity for one to have a really great voice and really great mic skills. And um, Lana seems like a perfect uh, person to do that. And, and I think it's, you know, we could still get there. I'm not giving up.
3: I think it's a good sign that people are excited about, like, what Lana's doing next.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's one of the things that's sort of telling about the, you know, the lack of story behind the Divas Revolution is that for for whatever happened last night, where the crowd wasn't into the the Divas Revolution match, they're still really into Lana, even though the story might be problematic or whatever. I mean, she's still she's one of those underdog type characters that I think you know you and and Chris were talking about, Kate, who you know the journey's not over yet, like Kara said, and she may be somebody that we're following. On that journey, I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, I think. Is it, the, the, is the it worth
1: asking why she's over? Right, because now she's coming out, and they've the. It's she's so different. The clothes are getting smaller.
3: It's Sandy at
2: the end of Greece. What's up? It's Sandy at the end of Greece. That's like literally.
1: <laughs> I I don't know. you've ever seen, ever seen that movie?
2: Greece, so you know?
1: oh. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever seen Greece. You didn't come back after. Are you American? <laughs> <laughs> well, have you ever uh, seen Greece? I've never seen. I'm sorry, I, I haven't. Um. We're getting So, whole, so why why are you what, the summer stuff? Like, is, okay, here's another question: Is so th- this whole thing, this whole angle, the story as it's playing out, Rusev and Summer have gotten over. Largely, I think, for me at least, I love watching those two because they're so good at the performances that they've been asked to do. How do you separate those two things? And Dolph Ziggler and Lana have zero chemistry. They're awful together. As a like, I look at them as a couple, and I don't want this at all. How do you separate those two things? Because then I find myself wanting to cheer for Rusev and Summer when I know that that's the bad guy and he's doing the bad things and it's all, he's representative of literally everything that goes against everything we're talking about and trying to prop up here. You know, like how do you reconcile that?
2: Well, how do you cheer for a heel in wrestling? I mean, I think it's like, you know, <laughs> I, I feel like I like things all the time that are not particularly, Great examples of feminism, and there's still great songs or great art. And it's, of course, it's hard to reconcile, it's hard to go through the world. Um, and the majority of the media that you see is problematic in some way. Um, that doesn't mean that I choose to opt out of it, it just means that um, I choose to enjoy it with a critical eye. And I think you know, the more we love Lana, and the more we want her to have a great story, and the more that we want her to really show all of that power that she has, um, the more I want to keep watching her. Okay.
3: Yeah, I think if you love something so much as wrestling, um, you just talk about what you want to be more progressive about it, and um, a lot of guys are kind of quiet about their wrestling fandom, especially in like professional settings, like work and things like that, but. Don't be quiet about like if you see something that's sexist and you want it to be better. Like it's, I think it's cool to talk about that. Um, and if you're going to be quiet about your wrestling venom, yeah, don't be quiet about your politics about it.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. I can dig that for sure. Um, we got to talk about the Divas Revolution, of course. And I, w- I just first of all, just generally speaking, what are your thoughts on what WWE has? done so far with the so-called Divas Revolution, is like I like to say, because it's not that.
3: I was there last night, and I know you talked about it in the last um, podcast, so I don't know if you want to get into it too much, Um, but yeah, it was like frustrating and confusing, and um, you know, about like the crowd in Brooklyn last night, Um, I think it's also really difficult for some people, obviously, in the stadium to tell what's going on. Like, a good amount of people in the stadium who did the wave likely did not know that it's, like, disrespectful um, to the actual, like, match to do that. They just think it's fun so they go along, and then it doesn't get killed. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was, like, my thought on the crowd, at least.
1: That's totally what I said, Sean, remember? I said mm-hmm? it was just yeah. that you get swept just up just... in the psychology of yeah, everyone's yeah. doing it, so you do it.
3: Right. And, like, they... You know, like, we can't depend on crowds to, like, resolve all of our, and, like, make all of, all of our decisions, and, like, we can't depend on one crowd reaction, or even a few crowd reactions, to say that, like, oh, yeah, people don't want the deepest revolution or whatever. Um, I, like, obviously, I think the more important conversations are happening on, like, the media that we have, the articles that we write and podcasts and all that. Um, there's just no way to get it all across in a
0: crowd. What what do you guys think about the um, I mean the the reaction of the performers, which seems to be it started last week. Sasha Banks tweeted something about it, and then last night both the Bellas' page said, said something and deleted it, um, sort of you know pointing the finger at the crowd as being part of the problem instead of part of the solution. Is that is that helpful? Is that right? I mean, do you agree with that?
3: I think it makes sense that they're frustrated by the crowd. <laughs> totally.
0: Yeah. I can definitely relate to the response. I just I just
1: It's a quick. superhuman reaction to have, I think, but it's yeah. also super misguided. Because I don't think that you can right? I mean, that's not wrong of me to think to, that it's you're it's like pointing your finger at the wrong people. We're not the problem, are we?
2: Yeah, well, I think I mean, there's sort of a there's an interesting situation happening because there's I think there's this sort of misconception um in the WWE that, that what we want is just seeing divas on screen more. Um, and that's not really good enough. There's there's a real um, difference between seeing individual storylines that are interesting and in-depth and, and full of colorful characters and um, seeing those really given space to, the, to develop. Um, but I feel like what we're seeing a lot of is these sort of like Alright, let's put all of them on screen at once. Like let's just see six girls or nine girls just like in the ring, like all together, yelling at each other for a good ten minutes. And that's not really accomplishing a whole lot of anything except erasing their individual voices and characters. So I think the Bellas are in a tough position because they're they're so famous that they have um it's hard for them to really do a lot with the characters that they're that they're living. They have these Mean Girl characters to work with. Um, And I think they can do a lot within those characters. They have done a lot. They can do a lot within their wrestling. And Nikki has obviously um, had some really amazing matches. But I think they can't really, you know, it's not like we're going to open Raw one day, and Nikki's going to show up and be like, all right, guys, I read some Judith Butler and here's what I think, and, like, now I understand feminism, and let me just, like, lay some truth Like, that's not really going to happen because that's we haven't set it up to do that. Becky, however, um, totally could and should do that. And I think that there's sort of, I mean, really the only way that we're going to um, have, have some interesting things happen in women's wrestling is to, you know, what if there was a character who's, thing was that she like literally hated men. like what if we had a character whose gimmick was that she was a mistress and like that would be hilarious maybe for me <laughs> um,
3: that
2: would be great like it's not like they're, we want a vast range of characters that say a whole lot of different things it's not like you know they can't just all be like and I'm a girl and I'm angry like they have to have something and they have to be so all different is- and they don't all have to be feminist they just have to be Real developed characters, and that
0: in itself is is going to change things. My my concern would be from my and this you know from my white guy perspective is that I hope that we have a babyface who talks about some feminist feminist ideals before we get the man hating heel character. Yeah, Although I agree it would be heel great, heel but my concern would be that as soon as Vince or anybody backstage was like, let's have a man hating feminist, and that it would just that she would just become like the Ted DiBiase of.
1: But how would the fans like, react?
0: Well that's my next question, yeah. I was Kate gonna say something?
3: Um yeah, I think it's important to note that like the feminist wrestling fans that we know, like the men um who identify as feminists, like it's important to see them as allies. Um Yeah, and they are they're they're out there and um totally important too. But I think it's um to Kara's point that like, yeah, absolutely the Divas just need the same access um, that the superstars get to um, more matches, more interesting storylines, like um, equal training. I actually can't really speak to that. I don't know um, what the training's like, but they just need the same resources. It would be impossible to do it without. So I absolutely agree.
1: Sean and I have been, speaking of that, Sean and I have been kind of talking lately about our our own how do we identify? And we kind of feel like, or I know I certainly feel like I shouldn't identify as a feminist because it's. Um, there was a period where I actually hired a feminist to moderate the site, Caveside, because I felt like things were getting way too. You know, uh, there were a lot of dudes running around and they were being inappropriate, and I wanted to kind of swing the pendulum back towards the middle, to where we could, you know, everyone can feel comfortable and welcome. And then, so I got, like, really into it, and I wanted, like, oh, I'm a feminist, you know, and I'm pushing the, the whole ideals and all that stuff, and, like, at some point realized, like, I felt like that's the wrong thing to do. Like, I'm, like, being the loudest voice, I guess, and, like, I shouldn't identify as a feminist. Like, I'm not trying to take that away from, again, because I don't go through it, so it feels wrong to be, you know what I mean? Does that make sense?
3: There are totally times to listen and things like that, um, and... Uh, but I think at the same time, you can, you know, show other guys that it's cool to be that way and, like, cool to think that demons deserve more and all that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I totally respect when men identify as feminists, but listen. Um, but there, there are so many things you can do, like um, watching wrestling with girls and just, like, getting their interpretations, too. And I'm not saying, like, get rid of due time. Like, I get that. That's totally cool. Have that. But... Um, yeah, just note that like they may have other perspectives, and um, they may want to learn more about wrestling too. And um, yeah, that's cool.
1: Well, I guess that also speaks to your to what Kara was saying about you're not really very well represented as far as because we have now they introduced three new characters, and they don't really have characters. Mm-hmm. There's like three new star, you know, Becky. And but they
2: should In NXT they did, and I think that they, they do in their hearts, um, and I think that they have characters to show. Right. They're just not um they're not being emphasized and they're not being really given the space and time to let those stories play out.
1: What would you prefer WWE do from this point forward? Like what would be the thing that you would do with the Divas Revolution now?
2: So I tweeted something during Summerslam that got that got a lot of retweets, and I was surprised because I, I just kind of you know never um, know. But it was sort of like, hey, it would be really fun if like, what if there was like you know during Summerslam every match was a women's match, and then there was one match that was like the dude match, and they put all the dudes together in the ring, and they all fought, and that was one match. Was
1: like, we retweeted that, so we might have helped that blow up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so
2: thanks for that. But yeah. I but like. You know, is it crazy to have two women's matches? Like, would that really kill anyone? Raw is three fucking hours long. Like, that is so much time out of my day. That is so long. Um, You know, it's like, would it kill you to have two women's matches? That would be a good place to start.
1: But they've been doing that on Raw, though, in fairness. Well, they didn't do it last night, oh, but I mean... Have people
2: anymore, so I haven't been watching
0: if uh, it would be nice if they had one segment where they were allowed to like establish their characters as something other than we don't like each other and I don't
1: know. They do, like, yeah.
3: Part of the that reason. Was key. What was that? I think the characters key. Yeah, I think um, that's
1: probably part like Sean, like you said, that's part of why Lana and Summer have gotten over the way they have. Is it even that they're? I feel, it's just like we've said. Like you, if you have, even if the story's not any good, if you actually just have a story, like we as fans will just decide at some point who you like and who you. You could watch you literally. I mean, yeah, I, mean,
0: I think that's part of why Dolph Ziggler is still over. Because at one point he was this underdog that we were all rooting for. He has become just a big asshole who like makes jokes about women and shakes his ass and wears horrible clothes. But everybody still loves him because we were given a reason to relate to him at one point. Especially with these new women, we've got nothing. I mean, if you didn't watch NXT, and that. But also, will,
2: I mean, Ziggler's really good. Like, he's so fun to watch. Yeah, so. that's,
0: that's. We can have different opinions on <laughs> that. <but laughs> I'm not,
2: I'm I've, ne- not I've not
0: never sure. been a big Ziggler, Mark, but that's okay. <laughs>
1: It's he's fun to watch bump around but yeah I I really liked him when he was when he did the at Survivor series when he was like the plucky underdog but he was acknowledging that he was a plucky underdog and he wasn't doing the it's too bad I'm too good and calling attention to the that well he just puts in good performances doesn't matter if he wins or loses and yeah now he's just sort of an unbearable like he's like a frat boy dude bro that I would try my best to avoid at all costs kind of guy like that's what he comes across as for me and and so with with Lana being with a guy like that, I that I really don't like that.
0: But is that is that like the male gaze? Is that like you don't like that she's chosen this guy that you don't like? Is that totally are you like being possessive of Lana?
1: Is it? I really like Rusev. I want those two to get back together one day. That's <laughs> Karen's like that's totally what's happening, Gino. <laughs> you tell me. I don't
3: know. Oh, I think something that could totally help, like, the Divas Revolution, just, like, change the belt. Um, Mm. You know, I don't, like, most people I've talked to do not like that belt, and um, I don't even know if it's a feminist issue. Like, partly it is, yes, but, like, that belt is not a great belt. No.
0: Well, that's that, – I, I was actually going to – we maybe should have even started with this too. What do you guys think about the term diva? I mean, the tramp stamp belt is one problem, right? I mean, that's basically what – I think that's the design they were going for, it was like some sort of like early aughts, like this is a tattoo somebody that we're trying to market would get.
1: Well, I know – I think it's for women, so make it pink and a butterfly and we're good, which is kind of inherently – I mean, that's that's sexist right there.
0: So, uh, so in addition to that, I mean, so what do you guys – I mean, would you – I mean, is the term divas a problem? I mean, it's a brand name, and it's not going anywhere, but if you had the, if you were uh, a majority well, shareholder... I think, on I, mean, I,
2: think some, I think just something that's a little bit... that's pretty noticeable is that superstar is not a gendered term. It's not like Superman star with a penis. It's like superstar, which is not at all a gendered term. I'm and totally calling
0: not them the Superman the star with a penis from now
1: on, though.
2: Um, I mean, I'm you know, I, I understand that... A lot of what they're doing is trying to market to young girls, and many young girls, for reasons of the way that they're socialized from the time that they're born, go through a phase around the time that they might get into watching wrestling, where they like things that are pink and purple, and they like things that are butterflies, and they might grow out of that, or they might not. Um, and I, you know, I can see from a marketing standpoint why that choice was made. Um, but, you know, Target just degendered gendered their toy aisles, so we no longer have boy toys and girl toys. I think we could start to think that maybe, like, little girls are excited about just watching characters that are fun and that are powerful and that are um, doing exciting things. Um, it, it certainly... You know, I think diva's a, it's not like it's not the worst word they could possibly have chosen. Um, whenever I think whenever whenever I think of it, I just think like a diva is a female version of a hustler. That's the only thing I think when I think of the word diva. So it doesn't bother me.
1: Their response? That much. I think their uh-huh. response what would you say to this? Because this is what the, I think they would say to me if I asked them. They want when you hear the term diva, to think WWE women's wrestler. That's why they do that the way they do that. So it's it's complete right. branding. That's the only reason they call them that is so that you will associate the two things, and so that anytime the term diva is used anywhere, it it'll get back to WWE. What would there, you say to that?
3: I get the point of branding. Like superstar is fine though because there is no negative connotation to the word superstar, but diva mm-hmm. can be used negatively. Um, so yeah, in addition to being gendered it can have a negative cause. Here's a, here's a really
0: interesting – I want to bring up a, co- a good comment from the thread, too, from our boy of just on the belt issue. He points out that, you know, when they do their gimmick where they send a championship belt to a winning team or a winning fighter or whatever, when the when the U.S. women's team won the World Cup, they didn't send them the Divas belt. They sent them to the, the WWE championship. They because they know them. they
1: throw in the trash.
0: Exactly, right. But that's a marketing problem. That's Even that ties into – I don't know. I thought it was a good comment. Good job, Bidens.
1: Go ahead. Well, James. that's, I mean, but I don't know because that's, Kara brought up an interesting point because I've thought about stuff like that. Like I'm 28 years old. I don't have any kids now. I'm At, at some point, maybe I'll have a child. And I don't even know if I'm going to do the thing where it's like, because I know my family, I was raised in a very sexist home. And my family go, okay, you're having a baby okay, what sex is the baby so I can know whether to buy blue if it's a boy and pink if it's a girl, like clothing, and I would not want to do that because that's just – you're immediately setting, I feel like, the wrong tone. So it's like if if we're going that deep with those kind of issues, right, as far as like women wear this color and men wear this color, uh, you know what I mean? It It's like where if we're that deep, how how do we approach WWE when they're – so far away from... Can you imagine Vince McMahon considering an idea like that? Even considering it.
3: Well, you know what I mean? I don't know if it's, like, unfeminist to buy, like, boy, or, um, blue or pink clothes necessarily. Like, it's not... A, like, to insist, yes. Like, to insist on somebody else, of course. Um, but, I don't know. I think it's with WWE, it's, like, baby steps.
1: Um, so you're satisfied so far with what they've kind of started to do?
3: Um, no, I wouldn't say that. I mean, it's just it's slow, obviously, um, and you know I agree with what we've said so far. Like they can't just have more airtime. Like that's just not effective. Okay. What something you- that I've been
2: thinking about a lot lately really, um, is the ways in which. I think, I mean, so I'm 27, so I'm, you know, same age with you. I feel like I have a really, um, I, I, I was lucky to grow up in a home where my mom was extremely vocal about her feminism and extremely vocal in how um, it related to how people interacted with me. Um, but I also feel like there's a thing that's happening with a generation younger Um, where they're really shifting the blame. So I think for me when I was growing up, it was a lot about, okay, to be a feminist, here are the things that you can do and here are the things that you can't do. And if you're going to be a feminist, like, are you really going to wear that kind of makeup? Like, if you're going to be a feminist, um, you really shouldn't be talking to boys like that. If you're going to be a feminist, and that sort of became a code for, you know, classy or respectable or, you know, um, if you want these rights, then here are these things that you can't have. I think there is something that's really interesting that's happening is that girls are growing up now and they're really rejecting that. So something I got really invested in is what's happening around school dress codes. So I went to a private school, we had dress codes. Um, They were pretty, um, they were enforced pretty heavily for girls and they were enforced mostly by teachers, you know, coming up to you and snapping your bra strap and being like, I shouldn't be able to see that. which obviously has all kinds of problematic connotations. And now girls who are in high school who are 14, 15, 16 are going to school and saying, actually, like, if I'm distracting you, that's your problem because I'm a 15-year-old girl going to school and I'm trying to learn. Um, and, you know, that blame shouldn't be on me. And worrying about what I look like when I go to school in the morning shouldn't be on me. It should be on you to not sexualize me as a 15-year-old girl at school. Um And, you know, watching girls fight back against something like that, like school dress codes, that wouldn't have even occurred to me to turn around and say, you know, actually that's not my problem, that's your problem. Um, I found that really interesting, and I think that there are a lot of ways that we self-police ourselves as feminists. Um, I know that I do, and say, you know, if I'm going to be a feminist, am I allowed to say these things, am I allowed to dress this way? Am I allowed to have these conversations? Am I allowed to watch wrestling? Um, And it's kind of like, well, the problem isn't me. The problem is the world that is a sexist place. And rather than worrying about what I'm doing, um, maybe I should be calling out sexism more where I see it. So, you know, I think a big part of it is um, turning around and and, and putting that blame where it belongs and making change where it needs to happen, which is not, you know, um, Becky Lynch thinking, well, you know, is this outfit okay? Am I representing feminism, which I know 100% she wants to do when I go into the ring, you know, dressed like this, but actually saying, you know, I'm going to wrestle the best match I can possibly wrestle, and everything else is um, needs to change around me for me to do my job better.
1: Something we've noticed is that it certainly seems as though the outfits have gotten increasingly – um, and that's a big point of discussion on the site today that Nikki Bella's ass is basically all the way out at this point. Is that a problem for you, or do you not mind that at all, or do you think that anyone who does mind that, like you we're just kind of talking about, like that's on you, that's not on me, versus, I mean, that's probably happening for a reason. Like she's not, she's not. I can't imagine it's comfortable to be, or or maybe, you know what I mean? Like what's the... What's the pro- – I guess what's the proper approach I think,
2: to that? like, you know, having to do having to do that bit in heels and, like, this thing that's really hard to move in, like, that's definitely not comfortable. I think Nikki's fine. Like, I think, you know, I mean, Cesaro's ass is hanging out all the time too. And, like, I, I think that's – part of it is just wrestling, but part of it is also, you know, what does that outfit mean? Like, am I wearing this – with strength, and to wrestle better, and, you know, do I have a cool look? And, you know, like, I, I think people, um, I mean, I'm remembering back, like, the the whole bit with Paige months and months ago where, like, they stole Paige's clothes, and so she, like, had to wear the fairy costume, which was, like, Leva's costume from being a fangirl, and, um, and, like, that was a weird bit, but I feel like, for the most part, um, you know, I think I hope I hope that they get some say in what they wear. I think they get a little, um, but I, you know, being mostly naked is kind of par for the course for wrestling. I don't think that's necessarily going to change.
3: Yeah, it's hard to say without knowing how much input they have uh, or how comfortable the wrestlers. Are. Well, I, if,
1: I guess I would ask then if it's if it's specifically designed to show yeah. more. Would that bother you in any way, or would it not?
0: It depends on who wants to.
3: Well, I think it show depends more. where that's coming from.
2: It's you yeah. know, if it's a girl who's like coming up on the roster, who's young, who hasn't had a lot of primetime television experience, and they're like pressuring her into wearing something that she might not have chosen, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no problem with women wearing whatever they want to wear and using that in the ways that they want to in order to yeah. do the work that they're doing.
1: Okay. Yeah, I feel like a lot of it is like an education issue, as far as like for you know, and ignorance is certainly not a defense, but at the same time, it's uh, yeah, because I'm, I think, and I'm asking this, and I'm trying to speak for a lot of people on the site, and trying to imagine, okay, that this is the kind of those are the things that they're saying. So I would like for. You know, like I said, for you guys to be able to come on and say, "Well, here's why that's not an issue," or "Here's maybe why they're looking at it the wrong way," you know what I mean? Like, because I feel like that happens constantly.
0: I think you gotta be careful, Gino. I think some of it is like you sort of, you sort of want to be validated in, like, or you want to be educated and told this is the right way for me to feel about this. And we're still only talking to two people with their opinions. So we can get a couple of different feminists on here who would tell you, "No, they're wrong." here's what you should be doing, or we could get like a men's rights guy on here who would tell us something completely different. I mean, the point is, is to have a conversation and to be open to the perspectives. I think even that's like in talking about like the raising of kids and things like that. I mean, if your daughter really loves Pink and wants to be a princess, and you've done everything you can to educate her on her choices, and she doesn't have to do that, that's not bad. I don't think, right. mean, that's my opinion. but
1: No, yeah, my, my point earlier was that when it's, it's the age where they don't have the choice and you're right. putting it on them already, and I don't, that part.
0: Well, that's your that's your role as a parent is to make sure that they don't get.
2: I also feel like or, our, um, you know, our, our, our contributions to this conversation, or at least mine, are probably impacted by feeling like I know you guys, I think I know what you stand for, I know the kind of critiques that you put forth. And so if I were talking to two MRAs, um, I would probably be saying very different things because I would feel like I was starting from a very different level of education around feminism and around these issues. I feel like, um, you know, if it's not like there, it's not like there's a list that we have of things that are feminist and things that are not, and we just refer to the list whenever we're not sure. Like I think it's that would be so much
0: easier, though.
3: It would be so much
2: easier. It would be. It would be, it would be great. Um, but it's really hard, and I think it's really, you know, I think um, I, I feel like a big thing is that I try my best never to um, make a judgment that something that another woman is doing is a feminist without really knowing what the deal is. Um, and we have these conversations all the time, things like changing your name when you get married, things like choosing to breastfeed or formula feed. Like, those are probably things that, um, a lot of your readers are not spending 90% of their day thinking about, but those are those are things that we think about all the time. And um, sort of depending on a person's level of comfort and education around feminism, I think really impacts how I would have this kind of a conversation with somebody. I, yeah,
0: think not, I don't want to get a men's rights activist on here either. I was just like throwing
2: you it out. off. Okay, anybody, I don't care.
1: No, I've no way.
0: I don't really want to deal with
3: that though, so <laughs> sorry. Kate, sorry. Kate? I think a point I want to make is um, that it doesn't have to be hard to identify as feminist and talk about these issues in wrestling. Um, yeah, You don't have to know everything to just start listening and hanging out with women who watch wrestling and have opinions as they're watching. Um, and it's not offensive to ask questions, like it's actually great and exciting that we can have conversations like this. So um, I think I would just hope that like guys who want to know more um, would feel comfortable.
1: I know for me, like for my experience, with like Kara, what you were talking about earlier, because I can remember you tweeted that and you were like, here are these people answering a question about would you take... Um, your girlfriend's last name when you get married. And, I, and you're like, oh, look at all these people giving these terrible answers in the comments. And I clicked in and I
3: read. So wonderful. That's, What's that? That
2: was a satire. Oh, was it? Yeah, but it doesn't even matter. Like, those
1: are real things that men say. All yeah, because I see, I didn't recognize it as satire because I was like, all of this seems totally legitimate. And I was, <laughs> so and you had asked the question, and you were like, well, would you take that on? And I was, and I started thinking about what my answer would be, and then I, I tweeted it to you, and I was terrified that, like, and I, that's what I told John. I'm constantly terrified that we're not going to come at this the right way or like in a way that's productive like, cuz we have our times too where I'll I'll feel pretty strong in the angle that we take or like a thought that I have or I'll say something and then a woman will be like hey that's kind of not I don't know about that and then I'll so I'll feel like well, shit I guess I don't again I don't know better so I was like when I told you if 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 I find a chick and she has a really awesome last name and it's cooler than I think my last name is, I'll totally take her
2: last name. But it's like, is that – is that (laughs) – Sean's laughing at me. There's this weird dynamic created. I think this is like – this is an internet dynamic and it's also an IRL dynamic, which is that like just as white people are constantly – constantly coming to people of color and being like, tell me how to be better, educate me, teach me things. Like, men are constantly coming to women and being like, just to play devil's advocate, they're like, I don't understand why. And it's like, you could literally read any article, um, like, Google it, and learn that thing. But this sort of, the, the privilege implied in the expectation that someone will always be there to explain something to you and hold your hand and walk you through it is something that I think bothers a lot of people. Um, I personally, like, a lot of the time have nothing better to do, so I'm, I'm often happy to have that conversation, but I think it's also really important that a lot of feminists are not, and a lot of them are really tired of having that conversation, and a lot of them are really tired of being forced into that conversation many times throughout every day by a guy at work or a guy at home or a guy that they're friends with or a guy on the Internet who's like, but why? Or, you know, I just understand why I can't be a humanist or, like, any manner of dumb things that people say. Um, and so I think it's really, you know, I think it's really important to strike that balance between um, starting, you know, if, if, you want, if you want to be a good person, and I think, like, to be a feminist is to be a good person, um, there are some really great places to start. And I think it's really powerful to, to do some of that on your own and to confront some of those issues on your own. And I think it can be a really challenging and, and personal thing, and it can kind of shake you up, I think, to realize that you're part of a group that has historically, I mean, we're like, you know, we're joking about it because we joke about things, but um, it's actually like a pretty big deal, like to be part of a group that has historically oppressed and violated and hurt and pushed down another group of people. Um, is a hard thing and I think a lot of men have a really visceral and defensive reaction to that which is understandable Um, and I think a lot of men feel blamed for things that they personally haven't done which is also understandable and I think it can be really powerful to come to a conversation or to come to a disagreement or to come to an internet tweet stream Having done a little of that research and a little bit of that work on your own, and that can go a really long way, um, um, because I know that Kate is happy to educate people, and I'm happy to educate people, and a, a lot of women are also not. And they are too busy, and they are too tired, or too angry, and they are not going to do that work. And I also really support and understand that.
3: Yeah, that's totally fair. It's never an obligation. Um. I, I think in terms of watching wrestling, yeah, I guess I'm always happy to when watching wrestling. Um, but yeah, and I guess like we started talking at at the beginning, um, to listen and respect the woman's voice first in terms of this, it's like an important place to start. So I guess it's
1: more not like being demanding that like you explain it, but like being just open to that um Being open to having your own uh, potentially faulty viewpoints challenged and changed, essentially.
0: I think that's... Yeah, I mean, from my personal experience as somebody who's a little bit older than Gino, a lot older than Gino, um, you know, if I say something... And I'm lucky enough to be married to a feminist who will often tell me when I've said something horribly stupid or, you know... And you just have to be open to learning from that. It's it's when you get to that defensive place where you're just going to argue because... You feel threatened or whatever—that that's not helpful. That's any anything that shuts down the dialogue is going to shut down any growth that anybody can make out of the situation.
3: I think something fans uh, could do during wrestling, um, particularly something I like noticed last night in the stadium, um, and it's obviously a thing. Um, like oh, like going up to get a beer during the women's match. Like just just get a beer when you're bored, like during whatever boring match. Um, don't you know, obviously just assume at the beginning of the women's match it's going to be boring. Um, so that's like a big habit, I think, of, you know, make a change.
1: Absolutely. It's called cool. the bathroom break match. Yeah. For a long time. On our site, too.
0: All over the internet, yeah. The, it, that,
1: that's the a, internet. Weird thing, a weird thing that happens that makes me kind of uncomfortable is like when we do stuff like this, and now Sean and I are going to get credit for this. And it's, I don't, does that make you feel, isn't that kind of weird? Wow.
2: So, I mean, so, so um, I noticed today that there were a lot of, there were, There were a few, I'm not going to say a lot of, them, I'm not going to be specific, but there were a few very seemingly heartfelt, and I believe actually heartfelt, um, pieces by men who write about wrestling about the ways in which hashtag divas revolution has failed. Um, and I, I think there's a really fine line. Um, I think there is a tendency among men in general, and men on the Internet in specific, and men on the Internet who are talking about something that involves women, to be very specific, um, to be sort of, you know, I mean, the the trope is sort of like, okay, I'm a feminist, where's my cookie? Like, there's this sort of expectation that, you know, I've done the bare minimum of caring about women's issues, and now I deserve all this attention and reward. Um, And I think that that's that's something that can happen consciously, and I think it's something that can happen unconsciously, Um, And I think that it's so important to – nobody wants to tell men not to do that. You know, I don't want there to be less men who write about wrestling writing about why women's wrestling should be better. better. But um, I think it's also really important to acknowledge that there are guys who do it in expectation of that cookie. And the cookie can be attention. The cookie can be, um, you know – girls with their guard down because you've now identified as a feminist. Um, and I think it's really, it's a really interesting dynamic. And I think it's a really, I mean, I don't think you're going to get any credit because like, you know.
1: We've credit. already gotten credit. That's what's, awesome. we, yeah, even when we've, you know what I mean? Like, even if it's just, I'm so glad you guys are doing this. Like, thank you for being open to do stuff like this.
2: Well, thank you for being open to do stuff like this. Like, yeah, that I think it? That's the there's nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. Should I be a
0: compliment, Gino?
2: Well, no, that's what I said because it's
1: that's what I mean when I say I'm just never sure of it because I I know within me I feel uncomfortable because I just don't want I don't want it to be like Hey, it's Gino's so great for having set this up. Gino's so great for having done this. Gino's.
2: But so so what great if subconsciously you actually want people to think you're so great for not wanting people to think you're so great for setting it up? What if it's like the the er cookie?
1: Mm. I now I am. Yeah. I'm just gonna stop talking. <laughs>
0: just, just don't worry about it so much, what a,
1: <laughs> if, if what you're doing
0: is helping and not hurting, then be okay with it. That's a good point. Okay. Um, I want to ask. I think I think that touches on both of it. And you guys are both. You have an internet presence. You both are. You know, a journalist and a writer. That's not an inter- that's not an easy space to be a woman in. I mean, that's. I mean, I, do you guys? I mean, and I think that within the wrestling community because I know how much is done at Cage Side to police the community to keep it so that it doesn't become another place where it's just, you know, you know, gifts of women jiggling and, you know, the things that you see at 99% of wrestling websites. Um, I mean, how has your experience been with that? I mean, how do you, how do you engage with that or protect yourself within that space?
3: Well, I, I think even not just in on the internet, um, uh, it's very common that there will be just one woman watching wrestling um, in a room of dudes. Um, so yeah, it, it, like sometimes it's hard to speak out, obviously, but other times not.
0: I mean, do you find? I mean, I think one thing that I that I worried about with this podcast is that people are going to be like, "Cool, chicks on camera," you know? I mean. Is that, I don't know, am I thinking too little of the wrestling fan base? I mean, I know specifically to Kate's article, I mean, I, I feel like there are a lot of feminist wrestling, male feminist wrestling fans, but I feel like we're still kind of in the minority.
3: Yeah, and that's why it was really interesting to write about because it is um, sort of niche group that people, especially outside of who don't watch wrestling, don't expect. Mm-hmm, true. Um, but, yeah, being a woman on the internet is always scary. Um, and I, I wouldn't say that that's... Uh, Particularly like, and that's for anything. Right, and we've right. seen that, um, you know, in Gamergate and all that. Right.
2: So. Something that I really like about Twitter, really the thing that I like about Twitter, is that is that it is one of the few places on the internet where I actively talk to strangers, um, and it has this real ability to. Um, it's got for me. Twitter is like an AOL Kids chat room, um, in that you're, you're, you you develop these relationships with people based on the fact that you said that you said a clever thing or they said a clever thing. And um, I feel like it's definitely a the the niche of women talking about wrestling is pretty minor, um, and I think it's definitely. A certain kind of attention is pretty common. Um, I have been asked out on dates on Twitter. Um, I feel like there's a real... There, there's, a, there's a real layered dynamic. Um, and, you know, there's I've had people in real life, like actual people that I know, like my actual friends, say to me, you're only watching wrestling, so the boys will like you. Um mm. And I've had to really think about that and really um, be Considered. conscious of what that meant. Um, and I kind of felt like, you know, I know that I enjoy watching wrestling, but I also am not going to discount this experience that I'm having, which is that I have a certain privilege in this community. And a privilege that I have in this community is that I'm a minority um, and I'm a – Doing something that a lot of girls are not doing, and that I'm talking actively about, watching wrestling, um, and I, I, I think I had to really ask myself questions about that. And I, um, it's, it's a weird dynamic. It's.
1: You look like you're struggling with it.
2: I am. I'm struggling to articulate something. I'm not. I'm not sure what it is. And I want. I kind of want Kate to talk about it because I know that Kate has her. T- that I'm private. And I feel like that's a really um, common decision for women on the internet for obvious reasons. Um, yeah. And totally doesn't have to talk about it if she doesn't want to, but I'm, I'm curious if we we'll want
3: to. That doesn't really have anything to do with um, other wrestling fans. I've never been told by a wrestling fan that I shouldn't be watching wrestling. Like I've never felt like shunned by a guy that watches wrestling. Um, and, yeah, I, I can see uh, Kara's point to a bit that, like, it garners attention. Like, oh, my God, you're a girl that watches wrestling. That's, like, really cool. Um, but, yeah, it's just great storytelling. So um, I think it would be silly to, like, discredit the fact that we really, you know, enjoy that, obviously. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. It's like you're not going to give up something that you genuinely love because, um it feels uncomfortable to sometimes
3: be in that community. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I think
2: that's a. Big, I mean, that's a big part of the conversation that we were having on Twitter that led to this, which is that, you know, it's sort of. I I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna go into being a wrestling fan as a feminist. I couldn't go into it any other way. Um, and as a feminist, I'm gonna come to it with a certain um, series of expectations and demands about how women are treated and how women are portrayed and. How women are reacted to, and it would be um, impossible for me to set that aside. And I think a big part of what makes that powerful is that WWE is not a place where there are a lot of feminists necessarily. There are some for sure, but there are not. It's not the majority. Um, not a lot it's also of not the majority in most of corporate America. It's also not the majority in our political representatives. Um, there are a lot of places where women are not the majority and feminism is not the the dominant thought. So I think, you know, there's something really powerful about going into those spaces and sort of infiltrating them and, and feeling like you're introducing a conversation that maybe isn't being had or pointing out things that aren't being seen. and. You know, rather than saying, okay, I can set this part of myself aside and just enjoy it, it's really important to me to go into it and say, well, the way that I enjoy it is by calling out things that I see that are problematic. So,
1: so do you think then, like you're saying with the privilege stuff where you're like, okay, I have an audience, and it's entirely possible that some of these people on Twitter have – they saw me tweet something funny, and then they saw my picture and thought, oh, she's hot, and started following you, and you said you have a certain – Privilege because of that, and so they put more weight into your words, and they ask you on a date or whatever. And do you th- so? Do you think then that that's where you struggle with like, okay, I have their attention, I should throw some knowledge at them instead I don't. Like,
2: I, I feel like I don't. I don't like the word privilege in that context because I feel like what I have is a um, is maybe a personal power, but okay. it's certainly not institutional privilege. Okay. Um and I think that's But I think that yeah, a hundred percent. It's like. I don't care why they're there. They're gonna listen to me talk about not only why I'm angry about sexism in wrestling. They're also gonna listen to me talk on Twitter about why I'm angry about sexism in the workplace or in politics. Um, right. Right. And what's amazing to me is that I don't I don't feel like I get a lot of unfollows once I start talking about those things. I feel like once they're there, you know, they might just kind of scroll past it. It might go right over their heads. But um, I definitely feel like whatever small audience i have um i'm going to i milk it for all toward i'm all it's worth them and tell them as many things as i feel like i have to say that are important about this stuff
1: which i guess is what this is for Sean and i to have the we the platform and all the views and the hits and all that stuff so we this is the kind of thing we might as well be talking about
3: right. makes sense That's good.
1: Well, we've covered a lot here. It's been an hour, Sean. Do we have anything else? I mean, I I actually, I have
0: a ton of other stuff, but I don't know if maybe we just want to schedule another time to do it. I mean, I don't. I mean, this is. I'm. I'm. I have lots. I have lots to process now. Yeah.
1: There's a lot here.
0: I mean, is there anything that you guys wanted to say? That I mean, that that you would like to express to cage side to the pro wrestling internet community about? um, Can I ask one question about anything?
1: Can I ask one question before that? That we actually got asked on Twitter that I bookmarked, that I thought was a really good question, and I'm super curious about before we go. No. The, oh, okay. Do it. The intergender yeah. matches. Do our, our oh,
2: friend? Oh, that question. Yeah. What a funny question. Um, yeah, I mean nobody wants to see a guy punch a girl on television. Um, that's upsetting, and it's problematic, and. Domestic abuse is a serious thing, and um, at the same time, I think that there are probably ways to play with a dynamic of um, women's physical power that would be interesting and powerful and not problematic and kind of great. Um, you know, like the thing of the thing about watching wrestling that's really fun is that. You know, you can watch someone like the Big Show, fight literally anyone um, is the Big Show that just lie down and win on top of them, and, like, that would be fine, but that's not what we do. We, we do we do something different than that. So I think that there are definitely circumstances under which um, female wrestlers and male wrestlers could interact more physically. That would be interesting and powerful. I think it's just really important to be super conscious about how it's done, and I'm not sure if we're there yet.
1: Like Summer beating up Dolph on Raw. I don't know if you yeah, saw like, that, but
2: I'm, I'm thinking like stomping, stomping situations. But yeah, I'm interested. What in that's to say? Also, okay. <laughs> yeah,
3: I, you, I mean, go
0: we're, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Kate.
3: We're we're at a point where like. Um, we're not even sure how they're handling. It. Like they, we're barely able to get past like giving, you know, the female wrestlers more airtime. Like it, it, that is just like such a simplistic beginning of this. I, I don't get it.
1: Like I really wanted them to beat up Miz last night. Like Miz was being such a shithead that I was – and Paige kicked the chair, which I thought was so – and Becky threw the chair, and I was like, oh, this is great. Like they're going to – like, of course, kick that guy's ass. That guy's an asshole. What what did he just say to you? Like that's what should happen, and then the Bellas went and screwed it all up, and it just made the whole thing feel – like he, his, he was proven right in all his stereotypical shit that he was spewing by what the Bellas did instead of the Bellas taking advantage of like a situation. That's what it felt like to me the way it was written. But yeah, I was like really looking forward to that. But then that's intergender, and I, I don't know that I, it's always made me feel kind of uncomfortable doing something like that. So I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm I,
0: curious. To- I mean, I, I know Gino doesn't a whole lot, but do you guys watch? I mean, is WWE wrestling to you, or do you guys watch? Lucha Underground, or any indie wrestling or anything like that, or just yeah, Japanese?
3: I do a bit, um, and I've always wanted to uh, look into more, and people suggested to me to look into like indie leagues like Shimmer, um, <laughs> all women's in Chicago. Yep. Um, Colt was talking to me about that a little bit. Um, yeah. That's where,
0: that's where <laughs> Becky and Paige came from, at least in the States, too. So.
3: I will say like a lot of the and maybe if WWE doesn't, it, it'll carry over. But, like, a lot of this stuff, like the uh, things that need to change, probably have to happen across the leagues. Like, TNA has separate issues in WWE, but maybe we'll
0: They have some of the same issues, but, yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, oh, so Gina, are we good for closing thoughts now from people other than us?
1: Yes, we are. All right. I'm getting called out on Twitter. I'm noticing because I haven't seen Greece.
3: You haven't seen Greece. What's wrong that is with ridiculous. You?
0: That's my takeaway from that.
1: I exposed the business because I th- somebody said I favorited a tweet, and is it exposing the business because I haven't seen Greece? And then you, and you t-
2: favorited my tweet about Greece, and you were just totally just.
1: Bullshit. It was probably an accident because I was. You were scrolling. just. You were Uh, On my phone? That was probably an accident. Check your
0: motives, Morosco.
1: You know what? Care is a hero now. Care is a hero now, and I'm a heel because I haven't seen Greece. I immediately. I don't even like
0: Greece that much, but you have to see it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How can you have grown up in this country and not seen Greece? When did Greece come out, Sean?
0: But Greece is like timeless. Greece is like. Answer the question, Sean. It's like West Side Story. It came out in the 70s, right? Eight, 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 um, I don't even know.
2: It is, it is literally like West Side Story, and it is a modern day of the times we talk. Exactly. You
0: just is. have to see it, and don't tell me you haven't seen West Side Story. I want to know what, the, what our guests, if they have any final thoughts. <laughs> I want to thank them both <laughs> I, I, for being I'm, here.
3: I'm
2: musicals. Just so your audience knows, that's what we're going to be talking about from now on every week. No more special editions. Just feminism and musicals every week from now on. <laughs>
1: It's yeah, so, a lot in common with wrestling. Kara's t- totally taken my spot here. Everyone, <laughs> she got yeah. herself over as a hero, and I'm the heel now. Great.
0: Sean and Kara every week, musicals and wrestling. <laughs> Kate,
3: thanks guys.
0: Awesome. Thanks for
1: coming Thank on and talking
0: to us. Here. This was awesome. I would, I would like to, you know, do it again. Maybe, you know, check in Can a few we, months down the road and.
1: You know what I would like to do? Can we do another show like this where we don't? Like we can focus on feminism, of course, but like where we don't make it like the main focus, and we just like break down a wrestling show.
0: Just listen to women. And their wouldn't that be the better?
1: Wrestling? Wouldn't that be a productive thing? Right. I I think so. Would that be cool?
3: Yeah, yeah I mean that's what I do, when I'm watching Raw a lot, so that would be awesome.
0: Awesome. Maybe we maybe we should live podcast
1: a show. cares the big baby face now. I mean, if she's in, I, the fans are going to be demanding it.
2: Yeah, I thought this was live podcasting.
0: I thought we were Like iPod. actually like we'll just sit here and watch Raw, I'm saying. I don't know. Oh yeah, definitely. I can do that. Just like Mystery Science Theater, you know. Just All right. second
1: anytime. screen experience.
0: Exactly. Uh, uh, the very arcade site's very first second screen experience. There you go. That's not a bad idea. All right, everybody. Thank everybody out there for joining us. I hope you enjoyed it. Um tweet some you know, tweet keep tweeting questions and put comments down there and we'll try to follow up with things and um Yeah, if you're a men's rights activist, you're just going to have to
3: deal with it. Oh, man.